I'm Carrie Gard, and welcome to Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. Welcome back to season 12. Did you check out my conversation with John Steinhardt on what a marketing career can offer? If so, then this conversation with Matt Dynan is going to bring that to life as Matt has a very cool story on how he kicked off his marketing career. After Matt shares his story, we dig into what it means to build a category. Matt is a digital marketing manager at jellyfish.io. He is a B2B digital marketer with the experience of owning owning SEO and paid media programs at high growth SaaS companies. He focuses on building consistent digital experiences across channels that enable brand awareness, prospect education, and customer acquisition. Here's my conversation with Matt. Hi, Matt. Thank you for joining me on Tea Time. Hi, Carrie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. Before we dig into our conversation, tell us, Matt, what's your story? What do you do? And how did you get there? Yeah, so currently I am a digital marketing manager at a a Series C startup uh, in Boston called Jellyfish. Um, So Jellyfish is a what we call an engineering management platform. So basically, it's just a software that you know, integrates with tools like Jira and Git, GitHub to give engineering leaders you know, visibility into their engineering teams so they know where they're spending, where the engineers are spending time, make sure you're aligned with business goals, um, things like that. So as far as I, how I got here, so I've only been at Jellyfish for about four months. Um, before that, my, my career hasn't been a, a long one so far, but I've been really fortunate to have had the opportunity to do a lot of things in that time. Um, so I think I'll start and, and say, so I, I graduated in 2019 from a small business school outside of Boston called Babson College. Uh, and the reason I think that's important is because Babson puts a really big emphasis on entrepreneurship. And that's not only just starting your own business, although that is a big focus. They, have, they make first years take a class where everyone starts their own business, which was great. But, um, you know, then the rest of the curriculum, they talk a lot about uh, the entrepreneurial mindset and really like, you know, you can be entre- entrepreneurial even if you're not technically an entrepreneur by creative problem solving, having this can-do attitude, um, you know, things like that, just being a self-starter. So, that was really valuable for me. Um, my intro into tech marketing was actually at an internship. I went out to San Francisco after my junior year and worked at a, um, a company called Upwork. They're a freelancer platform. And I, I was an events and field marketing intern. Um, and that was like my first really like my first time in the tech world. And like, I instantly fell in love with it. Not only just the culture and like, loving that people were wearing hoodies to work instead of like business formal, like, like obviously that was awesome. But, um, you know, it, Upwork always talked a lot about like creating the future of work and, you know, this big grand vision of fundamentally changing something we do. And like, that was, it felt like something I could get behind and something I could be excited about. Like it wasn't just selling a product, right. It was rethinking the way we do things. Um, 
so that was awesome. I went back to Babson for senior year. And then upon graduation, I started at a cybersecurity company back in Boston called Rapid7. Uh, I got, I loved the position I got at Rapid7. It was a, um, it was in the growth strategy rotational program. So it was an 18 month program uh, where I got to rotate through a bunch of different go-to-market teams. So I started off doing customer success with, um, they actually started all of us there, the the nine people in my program Um, and definitely a credit to Rapid7. They, this was like completely intentional because they wanted us to gain this like customer lens and, and really promoting customer centricity. So like for the first six months, I was on the phone with customers, you know, trying to book renewals. And then I was also doing a lot of work with uh, two people who are also in the program with me, you know, really looking into why customers churn. So we were doing like customer interviews, data analysis, competitive research. And, you know, the result was I had this really well-rounded view of the customer and the problems they had and how we solve it, which I didn't even realize it was happening to me at the time. (laughs) I just looked back and saw it, but um, that was really valuable. And then did digital marketing. This was kind of my return to the marketing world. Uh, I was really focused on SEO and like immediately fell in love with it. Um, you know, I, I was pretty certain that that's where I was going to be after the program. And I, I got along really well with the manager as well. Um, and then the other two rotations were customer experience where we focused on kind of streamlining the onboarding uh, of Rapid7 customers. And then I also did UX research where I got to do some, you know, customer calls and product research for a new cloud security arm, which was really cool to work directly with the product. Um, that was the program. I ended up coming on as a digital marketing specialist. That was kind of a, a turning point for my career, I think, just because, so I, I was doing that for about a month. And then my manager ended up going on paternity leave for four weeks, leaving me to be the only digital marketer and uh, with with only four months of experience in SEO, or I guess five months, and then only a month doing paid media. And then all of a sudden it was all on me. So it was obviously very stressful, but I, I tried to kind of view it as, a, as an opportunity. He ended up coming back for a couple months and then he left the company for good. So I was you know, for about the next six months, it was, it was all on me. And I just tried to kind of lean in and take ownership, even though I I had a lot more responsibility than (laughs) I thought I was going to have at that time. Um, It was right around then that Jerry, that jellyfish reached out. I like was bought into their, their mission and their opportunity right away. And I was really excited about the opportunity to build digital programs from the ground up, uh, which was like, you know, maybe it was that entrepreneurial itch coming back, but, um, you know, I didn't know if I was prepared to be a, you know, have that much responsibility either. But if there was one thing I learned in, in the last year, it was to, you know, step outside your comfort zone and, and choose the path of growth. So, you know, four months in, and I, I think I made the right decision. And I'm definitely happy with where I am at Jellyfish. That is a, a very tight journey. Yes. <laughs> yeah. A lot happened in, in a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Which I similar path can totally relate to um and it does make us well uh it's crunch and it's hard uh it does it does accelerate things yeah for, for sure. sure for sure um before we get into i have a lot of questions <laughs> my first question for you now i guess my set my Actual, my second question for those who are pedantic and are listening is, uh, you know, 
what's one challenge you're currently facing? I know you've only been at Jellyfish for four months, but then you're getting your feet under you. So, so what's something that's really like gnawing at you, keeping you up at night? What's really hard right now? Yeah, the biggest challenge for me as I'm, you know, it's, I knew I was coming in to build up these digital programs and there's, there's like, there's a lot of resources out there to help and stuff. So that's, that's one thing, but doing it for, we're currently creating this category at Jellyfish. And so there's really no playbook about, you know, what to do, right? There's no you know, predefined uh, like ICP or any golden keywords in this space. You know, we, we invented what, what our product category is in. So, um, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's not just about, I guess the challenge that kind of touches everything I'm doing across all the channels is that like, we're not just spreading jellyfish, right? We're trying to create demand for this type of product. And that takes a lot more thought and intention. And, um, you know, just, you need to have a really, really deep understanding of the customer and understand what outcomes they're looking for and how you can solve, you know, how you can help them get to those outcomes. Uh, and then obviously on the digital side, it's then how do you communicate that where your your prospects are hanging out so that's like that's the overarching like absolutely plays into everything i'm doing yeah i mean there there is and there isn't a playbook like does the standard there's new standard i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> i mean there there is and i feel like demand gen sort of creating a new standard of that right you know lead gen was sort of I mean, even before lead gen was more around, I mean, it was all sort of lead gen and however you want to like define it, but lead gen was sort of the way and now demand gen is more around um, bringing back old marketing ways prior to being able to actually measure toward, you know, through lead right. to now saying, okay, we let's marry these things of more top of funnel with surrounding our audience to driving them in through intention of like what they need and being there for them as they make this journey, this decision, I guess part of your challenge is really defining when you're defining a category, it's really, it's really uncovering a, a problem. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, you know, it's, we're solving a problem that a lot of people, I don't think, like people don't know that there's a solution for it. Um, you know, I think they know it's a problem once you discuss it, right? Um, but there's no like, you know, I think a defined category has a defined problem and, and that's what we're trying to define is the problem. And then, so that's the first step. And then the next step is, you know, not only defining the solution, but convincing people that you know, jellyfish is the right solution rather than one of the many competitors. So it's, it's definitely like a, you know, you, you kind of always got to be thinking in two steps there. So first it's convincing them they have a problem. Uh, it's not even like, you know, if they don't have that problem, great, they should like, don't yeah. buy the software then. Right. So it's, it's more just, I'll take a step back and like, we do a ton with content because it's more just like empathizing and saying like, we get that you have this problem. And, you know, that's a way to make, um, you know, uh, prospects be like, yes, I do. Thank you for realizing that you know? <laughs> rather than just, you can't be like, you do have this problem. It's, it's more, we empathize with you. We see that this is an issue and Hey, look, we have a solution for it. How do you 
get there? Like how, I mean, I know the product exists because somebody identified that there was a clear opportunity for this thing to happen, but, but then as you discover your audience, I mean, you were very clear in your, you know, working with rapid seven, that was the first thing you did. So is that what you did here? Did you sit down with existing prospects and like really discover what, you know, what the turn was and why they chose jellyfish or why they decided to leave jellyfish? I mean, what was, how did, did you apply what you learned at rapid seven to this? Yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, it's, Obviously, I didn't have as many opportunities. Like, I, I'm not in a position to be conducting user research, but um, you know, thank God that I came in. We had you know all of these gong calls that I could listen to, and my manager, like, we already had a marketing playlist. Like, listen to these calls because you know we're seeing the pain points, we're seeing you know our messaging resonate with people, and that's the biggest way I learned about it. Um, is you know because I'm not an engineering leader, I don't have problems with, with my engineering teams, sure. you know? Um, so just, it, you know, for the first probably month, I was just like you know, going out for walks and listening to gong calls and taking notes and looking for patterns and things like that. You know, I don't think you can effectively create a category if you don't really understand the voice of the customer. I think I know what gong is, but can you just... <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> Gong is, is a, they're another Boston company, I believe. Um, they, it's like, it's a software that records sales calls, basically. Um, but not only like records it, they'll break it down. Uh, you know, you can see who was talking. Here's when we talked about discovery. Here was pricing. Here's when there was a screen share. So, you know, we're able to go look in a playlist and, and see like, here's the discovery call between jellyfish and whatever company. And, you know, I can go in and listen to that, which is like, obviously there's a ton of benefits for the salespeople because they can train and they can look at patterns on what works. But for people like me who just want to learn, it's, it's, you know, invaluable. So it's kind of like a zoom. It's like, I have, I have zoom and it records all my calls, but it's like, just dumps them into a single, like, boop, here's all of your recordings. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It organizes it. I'm not, I'm not as familiar from a sales side, but I do know like, then you can say like people who spend this much time in discovery, like win X percent of deals more than, you know, so you can like it. It's, I mean, it's the whole thing. It's just like data. Right. And that's, yeah, exactly. Data. (laughs) Um, So you listened to all these calls, you took it all in. So what, what really stood out for you? Like, how did you sort of identify, did you find anything new that maybe that, you know, anybody missed or anybody didn't have, you know, a different perspective? Did you, did you catch anything that was like, oh, like that would be a really great way to make our marketing go in this direction? Like, how did that take you to the next step? Yeah. Um, so for me, it was like, I, I knew that when I started coming in, it was just like engineers, you know, can use this to get, gain visibility. But uh, I think the biggest thing for me was listening to like the different levels of engineering leaders had a lot of different problems, right? Like a, an engineering manager is going to be looking to solve different problems than the VP of engineering. You know, they might be in the weeds and want to know exactly like where the time is being spent, where the, the VP might be thinking like, you know, where's the money going? How efficient are we being looking at that macro view? So, you know, from a marketing perspective, that's really, really valuable because you you need to 
it's going to be completely separate messaging to these different personas. Um, and they're not going to resonate with the same content or the same, you know, messaging at all. So that was the biggest thing. And just like getting down to that next level, a little bit more granular was really helpful for me. And, and you know, I'm still learning, you know, every time I hear things from, from customers, I, I gain a little bit more. It's almost like a brand study or was it just clearly just, just simply some messaging key points? Um, yeah. I mean, brand too, it was just like, and, and maybe it's, it's not even as defined as it needs to be for me yet. You know, I'm just hearing it from the voice of the customer. And, you know, I, I was also lucky when I, when I came on at Jellyfish, I got to interview with the founders and they are all former engineering leaders. So they were telling me these problems. So I believed them, of course. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, just then figuring out, it's just, I think about getting more granular and not just knowing that these are problems, but understanding it. And then, you know, obviously we're still working now on how do we take this understanding of the problem and, and turn it into a solution. I mean, you had the luxury of working at Rapid7, which is also a cybersecurity and technical client, a technical company. Um, but I imagine that Jellyfish is very different when you're talking about these tech companies. What was the learning curve for you on that? I mean, did you jump in? You're like, oh, I know the developer audience. Like, we're good to go. Was I mean, it's a different persona that you're talking to. I mean, how... Yeah, it's on it. You feel like you're still learning. What's sort of the feeling there? A little bit of both, to, to be honest. It's you know, I I do think it helped me coming into Jellyfish that I had been doing B two B marketing to a technical audience, right? Like, so I think it it's there are some you know crossovers over you know customer behavior, where what channels you want to be using, um, but you're solving completely different problems and like those spaces are you know the cybersecurity space and then just like the engineering management software space are in two very different places <laughs> yeah uh, a cybersecurity leader knows they need a vulnerability management tool or detection response or you know appsec or whatever it might be you know that that demand is there but you know trying to market to an audience that well, the similarity between, you know, the cybersecurity audience and the engineering leader audience is no one likes to be marketed to, but at least the cybersecurity audience knows they need a specific software for this problem. So, you know, the new challenge that I have not figured, like we're still trying to figure this out. It is, this is an audience that doesn't like to be marketed to and doesn't think that they need your product. So, you know, it's, you got to be very authentic because you don't want to spook anyone or, or make anyone, you know, not trust you. Developers definitely have their own everything. Their own language, <laughs> their own decorum, yeah. their own, I'm married to one, so I feel like I yeah. have some, um, like he actually has an ad blocker. He does not yeah. <laughs> for advertising. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's a huge challenge to figure out this audience and it's, so what are you finding right now? What's that? So you, so you, you, you did your customer research, you listened to all these gong videos, you have some messaging colors, you sort of know who you're talking to between the VP and the managers and who might need what, what's next then? Is it the, is it revamping the website? Is it, is it actual marketing? What sort of, how's this helping you shape? Like it's a new category. So are people even looking for you? 
what's that next step? <laughs> yeah, what, what you said right there is like one of my biggest challenges is it's a new category. So are people even looking for you? Like, like the short answer is no, right? Like I, I, I'm in charge of doing our paid media as well as SEO. And, and like I said, like SEO is kind of like, that's what I love. And, and I think that is, it's really challenging when you're creating a new category, because, you know, when you're in a, a category that we're calling engineering management platform, and that term has a monthly search volume of like 10, then you can't just put that on a web page and then hope it ranks. Um, so, you know, for me, it's, it's not starting there. You need to start deeper. And uh, I work really close with like our product marketing and our content teams because it's about, you know, I'm really focused on creating great content that will help people and will resonate with the audience, but then also optimizing that so that we are being found by ranking for terms of like the problems that people are looking to solve. Um, and like I said, that's not just putting these buzzwords on a page. It's really understanding now that I have this understanding of who the audience is and then, you know, building content and being really authentic on the site, not, not trying to be flashy, just like really getting down to saying like, this is a real issue and we know that and we can solve it. Um, you know, and we obviously use you know, paid channels and things like that just to get our brand name in front of people. So hopefully we can get that recognition, but um, it really is about being deeper than that and more intentional. And I think, I think organic is kind of like the key to that, at least, you know, it's, it's not as quick. It takes a lot of legwork, but I think it, it really pays off because people are finding you when they're looking for you obvious question not obvious question but how do they know to look for you well i guess they're not they find you when they're looking to have their questions answered if that makes sense so they're not looking for jellyfish but they're looking for you know how do i you know what are dora metrics how do i find engineering dashboards and then you're answering their questions and um you know, and then it's about a lot of optimization on the web page, giving them other options to click through and things like that. But, you know, our first challenge is just getting people there. And it's, it's not, I should, I should rephrase that. Like, they're not looking for you. That's, that's the whole challenge. You know, they're just looking to solve their problems. Yeah, it's interesting because if they don't, it sounds like you ought to be, it's kind of, it feels a little counterintuitive where it feels bottom of the funnel in terms of very intentional, but it also feels very top of the funnel in that they, the content you need to create is very high level. Like if you're, if you're just doing some Q and A that has nothing really to do, I don't say nothing, but it, it has some relationship to do with your product in a very problem solution way, but not in a way of like bias, have a demo, catch our free trial. It's more of like, here are the questions people are asking out in the universe in, in relation to what we do. Here are the answers you're looking for. That feels very top of the funnel, but if right. it's very intentional that it can impact the bottom of the funnel. Are you finding that? I mean, I know you've only been there for a few months, but is that, is that sort of your initial plan? Yeah. And it's, it's very much a, like very much a full funnel game. And it was the same, I think at rapid seven in the cybersecurity space where like, a lot of the people that find you, when they find you, they are not ready to purchase. 
like if you try to force them in that direction, you're going to lose them as a prospect. So it's, it's just about, you know, we always make sure we have this awareness and educational content that's, you know, there is no buyer intent just yet, but then, you know, obviously then you can utilize retargeting or email, or maybe they keep coming back because they see you or they, you know, you know, you're just, you're gaining that trust, I think over time. And, you know, it's like I said, it's, it's not something that happens right away. It's, it really is. I, I believe a lot in this educational top middle of the content, middle of the funnel content. Uh, I think that's the key to building like these categories. You mentioned in our initial call that you felt like there were some competitors. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, yeah. There's, there's, you know, I think four or five main ones that we see, uh, which in a category creation sense, like obviously it's annoying because you know, like if we're, if we're bidding on each other's keywords and everything, it's going to be more expensive, but knowing that there are competitors knows that, it, you know, it legitimizes the category. If it was just us, like I would be a little bit nervous, but, you know, seeing that there are other people that see this opportunity, you know, it, like I said, it legitimizes it. Do you all solve the same problem the same way? Or is it kind of like cybersecurity where there's like this clear cybersecurity insanity of things and there's a million different products that solve it in a million different ways? Is is that happening in your category or is it all you're all after the same sort of like, it's the single problem and we're all trying to solve it the same way? I wouldn't say it's as broad as cybersecurity, but we are all it looks like we're all kind of thinking about it. There, there's a lot of differences in our messaging. And I think it comes back to personas. Like our, you know, some people might be really talking to that manager level. Some people might be talking to like the, you know, VP level. Um, and it's, you know, everyone, everyone knows what each other are doing, right? Like, you, you, you know, we, we have a lot of Intel on that stuff, but um, yeah, it's like, so I guess my point is, it's not, it's definitely not as vague, but there is like a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of nuance in there and there is no right answer yet. You know, everyone thinks <laughs> we think we're doing this the right way, but, um, you know, it's, there's just, everyone's kind of coming at it from a different angle. When you're saying full funnel, what does that mean to you? I mean, you mentioned SEO, obviously in content email, I mean, is that, is it really just that sort of content piece being top of the funnel, like where people find you and then that retargeting and then that email, or is it more complex? I mean, I'm not judging here, like simple, I'm all about simplicity. So if it's literally that simple, like I, there's power in that. I'm just curious if, if I caught it all. Um, I think, I mean, I hope it's that simple, but I, I don't think, I don't think it is. Uh, it's just really about having something there. Like you need to have content or some sort of, yeah, I guess it'd be just be content vaguely, um, for any point that someone is in the funnel and everyone, I think it's a little bit complex because there is no linear journey to purchasing. Like, it's not just, oh, you find us organically and then we send you an email and then you fill out a form and that's it. You know, it's, everyone's going to have a different like path to get there or not get there. Uh, and you just need to make sure like, 
I'm just big on making sure we are there for every step if they want it, you know, and you're not forcing anyone into anything. And um, so, yeah, I think it can be that simple, but it rarely is. Where does, or does it not? And that's okay too. I feel like ABM would be an opportunity. Is that something you're thinking about? Or is that like not this audience? Am I really off base here? Uh, I, we definitely think it's an opportunity. Um, but like with all of you know, things we're thinking about, it's a, it's a test and learn approach. So like we, we start small and then see what works. So yeah, like a hundred percent, we think that that could be something, but um, it's not something that we've like, you know, it, it hasn't been like a key in our a key ingredient for us just yet. But yeah, I think that can be, especially with this full funnel, like if you can make sure a target account is seeing what you want them to see, you know, that's invaluable. Yeah. I'm just so curious about like how this content piece works because it feels like everything's hinging on this for you. Like the having enough content and and enough content that I feel like is a is a a lot of work. So where where is all this content coming from? You mentioned the product team. It I mean, how much content are you producing on a regular basis to really map to your vision of being where people are looking for you? Yeah, we I mean we obviously like we'd love to create as much content as possible but you know, we're, we're still a, a series c startup um but we're lucky that we we really leverage you know the people who do it in our own company so you know like i mentioned our founders or the people that identified this problems will have blogs written by you know people on our engineering team our data scientists you know the, the people that know the problems and know the product um, our product team, our product marketers are always writing stuff. So, um, you know, it's, it's not like a, a big organization just pumping out content like yeah. a machine, but we really leverage the people who know our audience, right? And that are, would be in our audience if they, if they didn't work here. Um, you know, and I think that goes back to like what I was saying about authenticity. Like if, if Matt, the digital marketer, was writing content for engineering leaders, it would not land as well as, you know, our head of engineering writing content for heads of engineering. So yeah, it's just utilizing the resources you do have. And then we, we are big on, you know, it's evergreen content and repurposing what works and just making sure it's all out there and findable. I think, I mean, I think I know what evergreen content is, but, but for our listeners, what's evergreen content mean to you, Matt? Yeah, to me, it's just, I think, content that's always relevant. Um, you know, it doesn't matter when you find it, how you find it. Like, it, this can be relevant to someone at any time. You know, it's, and it's not just like, our evergreen content isn't always based on our product. It is based on like this engineering, software engineering leadership industry. Um, you know, these big problems that there are no answers for yet. And just, you know, taking sides, writing opinions, things like that. Sounds counterintuitive considering technology is constantly changing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Evergreen and technology is a little bit of a, it's a, it's a challenge, but yeah, you do the best you can. Yeah. Yeah. But the idea is that it's not, um, it's not like the news where you get like a two week cycle for something and then it's dead in the water. It's this thing that 
I mean, I'm still revamping content on our website that I wrote five, six years ago, right? Right. Content is still relevant. The, the context of the content needs to be updated. Right. Yeah. And it's obviously like, again, <laughs> it's, it's challenging when you're creating this category because there's less evergreen content. Whereas in the cybersecurity world, like if you Google what is vulnerability management, you'll have all of the big players that all have just one piece, pretty much all saying the same thing. And it's all optimized because people are always going to be wondering what vulnerability management is like, <laughs> that is the definition of evergreen content. Um, and, you know, we don't have that. If you search what is engineering management, you get a bunch of colleges offering courses for engineering management. So, yeah. <laughs> so there's that challenge covering everything. That's a whole different challenge. <laughs> yeah. Competing with universities who have right. its own, like, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, their authority, their authority when it comes to SEO. That's right, right, and that's that's just why you have to understand intent because we can write and optimize for that term. But if that's not what people, if people aren't looking for software when they search that, we will never rank, and it would be a waste of time and resources. <laughs> you know, you just got to really understand what you're writing. I mean, how did you even get? I mean, I, I know it wasn't just you; it was it was the company collective, but like. Do you know how they got to this keyword? Like why, if there's already competition in that area from, a, you know, it's kind of like trying to battle universities for any, I mean, intent matters, but yeah, that's like a tall order to try and rank against. Yeah, it's, um, I wasn't working here when we like decided on this name. And I, I do like the name for the category, the engineering management platform. I would have done some like organic research myself to see like what, if there's volume around anything or low intent. Um, but it, I think we were going to run into a form of that no matter what we called it, you know, cause it's not like there was a category and then we decide, decided to name it something different. Like everyone call, is calling it something different and no one has searched volume around those terms. So it's, it's just, I think, I think it's a waiting game and, and you know, we, we have content around it. It's just the bigger the category gets, you know, then we just got to hope that intent will switch to what we want it to be. And always well, obviously monitoring that and, you know, adjusting if we need to adjust as well. Oh, totally. No, I'm excited. I'm going to pay attention because I, <laughs> I feel like I'm watching a movie and I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm like, how is this going to pan out? Is this going to be a thing? And like, how yeah. is that? And no, like I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm super, I'm such a nerd. I'm like totally excited about this. Um, before I get to my people first questions, Matt, and we close out here, I am curious because you're only four months in, this is a new category, this is a new product, this is really exciting. There seems like there's a lot of opportunity here. What are you personally most excited about in this role of yours and where where Jellyfish is going? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to be a part of a company that like I truly believe is going to be extremely successful. Like, you know, we're we've we've gotten some great funding rounds over the past couple of years, but you know, when I joined, we didn't have that the most recent ones. So um, it was just really about, I really do believe in the idea and 
you know, when I joined it, I remember the message I got is like, we're, we're trying to do for engineering what Salesforce did for sales. So like just completely changing the game, like giving, you know, you want to be this household name that you need in your tech stack. So just being a part of that is like really, really exciting for me. Um, but then more personally, you know, I, I've, I've said this, like this position is exactly what I wanted to do next. It just got here a little bit earlier than I thought. So like right now I'm just focused on nailing this and, and building this category out. Um, but I think what excites me as well is there's a lot of ambiguity and a lot of options for the path forward, whether it's, you know, down that growth marketing path, down the digital strategy path, moving to something like product marketing. Um, I'm just excited that, you know, it's not predefined just yet. The world is your oyster. World is my oyster. Once, once jellyfish makes it, then we'll make decisions. <laughs> awesome. Um, oh, this is fun. Before we close out, Matt, I think there's, a, I think you're onto something in terms of how SEO is going to be pivotal in this. And I love how, I mean, I think you're early on enough that you can establish the category really, really thoughtfully mm -hmm. in that evergreen content. Like I, I sort of see it, like I can feel it. Like you're, it's exciting. I'm excited for you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that means a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I am. I am. Before we close out, I do have my, my three people first questions. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. The first one is, have you picked up any new hobbies these last two years? So I, I don't think it's a new hobby, but I, so I, I've been running competitively since high school. Um, and when kind of when the pandemic started, when we were sent home, I, I started training for my first half marathon, uh, which I ran, I've run a couple and I'm currently training for my first full marathon in June. So like I said, it's running isn't new, but <laughs> finally taking a crack at, at the, the big one is, is exciting and obviously taking a lot of my free time. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. I am not a runner, but I am, I'm surrounded by them and they seem to either be working or running or eating. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the big three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, if you could be with your team, I mean, have you, have you even met your team in person yet? I have. Yeah. A couple of times I've been lucky enough. Nice. Well, you're all in Boston. It sounds like you're all in Boston. Most of us. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Um, well, it, you know, either imagine a time where you just were with them, or maybe you're going to get together soon and you're all going to be together. What song would you want playing overhead to set the vibe of the, the meeting or the gathering? What would you want playing? That's a, I want to say, that's a good question. Cause I want to say something we're big on being in a company called jellyfish. We're big on like the, the ocean puns. So that's what I want to go to, but I, I will refrain and I'll say like, so it's not a song, but any sort of like lo-fi music just makes me think of the team now, because uh, if you ever check out some of our videos, our, our product marketer always has in the background, this really nice calming lo-fi music. And uh, he was also playing it in the background at our sales kickoff a few weeks ago. So, so now, like, even when I'm working, I just, I always have the lo-fi going and you know, now it makes me think of the team. If you can send me a track that you love. I'll add that yes. to our people <laughs> yeah. can start to feel the vibe and maybe that's what they'll be tuning into when they want yes. to get in the zone. So, yes, we'll do. Uh, awesome. Last question for you. If you could travel to anywhere in the world without any restrictions or any 
flow tests or <laughs> vaccination cards or flights being a hundred thousand dollars round trip, where would you go and why? So this, this question has actually come up a few times in the past like few months, which is weird. And I've had the same recommendation from multiple people, which is to go to like it's the, the entire like Nordics region in Europe. <laughs> yes. um, I've never been, I've, I've only been to uh, a couple places in Europe, but the fact that that keeps coming up makes me think that it has to be my next trip and, and probably where I'd go if, if I could go right now. I can see you laying under the Borealis with the lo-fi uh, music happening. With the lo-fi music, right. It all fits. Yeah, exactly. I can see it. Yep, exactly. Awesome. Matt, thank you so much for joining me. I enjoyed this trip down the new category lane, and I'm, I'm excited for you, Jellyfish. I'm, I'm going to follow your journey, and I can't wait to see where you go. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was, this was awesome. I obviously, obviously love talking marketing and Jellyfish, so this was great. That was my conversation with Matt Dynan. I'm so inspired about how Rapid7 brings on new marketers to have new hires experience sales, product, and marketing, and then choose their own adventure after nine months. Allows each person to decide their career path after having tried each. And once they do choose, then they have a clear visibility and empathy into how the other functions work. Fascinating. Love it. Thanks for joining me, Matt, and for sharing your story. If you'd like to learn more from Matt about building a category or his journey at Rapid7, you can connect with him on LinkedIn. Link is in the show notes. In my next episode, I chat with Alyssa Maker, where we discuss what demand gen marketing means to her. Stay on and autoplay will take you there. Thank you for tuning into this episode of season 12. It was brought to you by MKG Marketing, the digital marketing agency that helps cybersecurity and data management platforms get found via transparent, measurable digital marketing. It's hosted by me, Carrie Gard, CEO and co-founder of MKG, music mix and mastering done by Austin Allison. If you'd like to be a guest, please visit mkgmarketinginc.com to apply.